Call the dish that's fit to air. Cindy Adams is on 77 WABC. Kathleen Turner, she's got that famous voice. She's won Golden Globes. She's been nominated for Oscars and Tonys. She made that famous War with the Roses with Michael Douglas back in the Stone Age. She's made four movies with Michael and me. I love Kathleen Turner. Oh, we all you. know Kathleen Turner, but not not always your background. Where are you from, sweetie? Well, my dad was with the Foreign Service, a diplomat. So I think right after I was born, we went to Canada. And then after Canada came Cuba. After Cuba, Washington, D.C. for a, a bit. <laughs> and then Caracas, Venezuela. And then London. Uh, I went to high school in London. You mean how many, you, you changed places that many times when you were a kid? Well, for, in the Foreign Service, usually a ter, uh, um, two, two, two years. years, two or four years is usually the, the, the length of time. So how many languages do you speak? Well, uh, Spanish I'm bilingual, and I have some French and Italian. Juro the romance. Juro fidelidad a la bandera de los Estados Unidos de América. Lo oí, lo oí cuando decía. Es muchas gracias. Okay. Okay. So how did you get into show business in the first place after you've been schlepping around half the world? I always knew I was going to, actually. I mean, when I was uh, 12, I think I... I said to my parents I was going to be an actor, and they thought that was very cute, you know. <laughs> but uh, then yeah. as I got older and I had not changed my mind, they started to get rather concerned. And in high school in London, I was also auditing classes at um, at Swiss Cottage at the um, the Central School of, of Drama. And uh, so then they, then they got worried. And... <laughs> I was performing uh, with my school and everything, and uh, my mother would come see me, but my father would stay in the car because he did not want to have any indication that he approved of this choice. I see. I see. How old were you when you were schlepping around doing this? Oh, uh, I guess I was well, I was 17 when, I, when he died uh, a week before I turned 18 and graduated from high school. And so, with that, my world completely exploded. I ended up in Springfield, Missouri. My mother's parents lived there. And we used <laughs> to go back there. They had a farm for many years. And we would go back there on our, on our home leave, you know. But it was uh, not someplace I ever thought I'd live. Well, yeah, from Venezuela to Missouri is a big difference. Well, from London to Missouri is even bigger. <laughs> Do you remember your first show or tryout or audition or anything, the first days? Well, my my first show in New York City was um, was uh, down at Soho Rep called Mr. T. Uh, who was it with John? Um, I'm trying to think. He's done Star Trek all the time now since then. Uh, he's very good, and he's uh, John Frakes, and he's a very good director also. So yeah, down at Soho Rep, that was after about six months in New York, I got that. Weren't you scared? No, no, I, I don't get scared by the work. You know, that's like a relief. Oh good, just let me do it, you know? I get scared uh, uh, with life choices sometimes, but not work choices. So am I supposed to ask you, what do you mean by life choices? Well, I suppose I'm not nearly as 
sure of my judgment or my um, my choices, I suppose, uh, in some areas of my life. In you know, I suppose some romance or some oh, I don't know, some friendships maybe. Although those have been quite solid with my lady friends, you know, with women. You have a lot of friends. I know you have a lot of friends. I have wonderful women friends, yes. Now, I got to get to your famous gorgeous voice, which everybody always mentions. How did that develop as a kid? Did you always have that voice? I was always low. And when I was in high school, uh, I was in the choir uh, at church, you know, and they used to put me in with the boys. No, which I liked a lot. I liked a lot, man. You know, I didn't mind that at all because I really couldn't even sing alto very well. So, and then, of course, over the years, it does deepen for everyone. But I have to say that I, I do work it. I've always worked it, you know, to, to expand the resonance, to expand the timbre, as we say. Huh? What about if you, uh, I'm not asking you if you get drunk or anything, but if, does, <laughs> does drinking or anything, does something help that voice? Do you take oh, lessons? They call it's such it a, a great they voice. They call it a whiskey voice or something, right? Yeah. Which they used to say about Bacall. They used to yeah. say about... Oh, oh, you have a Bacall story. Oh, I, know. I oh, do. Tell, tell I me. Do. Tell me. Oh, I don't want to forget. Well, okay. Well, uh, I met Ms. Bacall at a restaurant in New York after... Well, well we, we were both going to plays. And, uh, and I went over to introduce myself because I like to meet people. And I'm not shy about that, you know, so I said, hello. Miss McCall, I, I'd like to, to, to meet you. My name is Kathleen Turner. And she went, oh, yeah. She said, you're the new me. <laughs> and I said, no, no, I'm sorry, but there is no one but you. And I guess she kind of liked that because thereafter, whenever we met, we'd have like this little game where I'd, I'd say, good evening, Miss McCall. And she'd say, good evening, Miss Turner. And I'd say, how are you tonight? And she'd say, very well, thank you. <laughs> so it was kind of a how low can you go. Anybody else got such a voice like this today? Nobody. Right now? I don't know. I certainly know there are some wonderful male voices that thrill me, you know, but um, I don't know a lot of women, no. In the early days, early on, you always played some sex part. All of your varying parts were in action, as I recall. Am I not right? Well, <laughs> certainly the, the breakthrough role um, yeah, was body heat. Huh? And I think that we really pushed the boundaries of, of sexuality in film uh, with that. Yeah, I think with so. That, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. All but of your varying parts were my, working. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but all of my choices in, in the work have been in contrast. I mean, if you, if you look at the body of, of film, for example, um, after the, the serious, you know, femme fatale of body heat, then I did The Man with Two Brains with Steve Martin, which was a complete ripoff of Femme Fatale. It was a complete spoof. And after that came Romancing, where I was an adventurous, but started out being incredibly insecure and a wallflower. And then I went to Ken Russell with his Crimes of Passion. Um, it really was 
you know, each each role, each choice is kind of a reaction to the one before. I don't want to do what I just did. I mean, now, in saying that, if you are an attractive woman or man, uh, of course you have, you make use of that, yeah. But back then, when you were doing it, there wasn't as much sexuality on screen as there nope. is now. Wasn't that a little either exciting or shameful or nervous-making? Uh -huh. yeah, I mean, you were very much out there, all of your varying parts. Well, that is true. Um, <laughs> that is true. Oh, heck. I, rem I You know, when we were shooting Body Heat, there was one scene that was complete nudity in the, in the uh, boathouse, huh? And I can remember that, that Larry Kazan decided we were going to start with that just to get rid of any inhibitions and make everybody just go, okay. And I'm going, you want, you're going to start with what? <laughs> anyway, Bill and I had a couple glasses of wine before we did that. I'm sure, yeah. So how, can I ask now, how did you do it? Did they put makeup all over on your body? How does no, that work? No, no, no. I, I did that for the graduate. I used body, you know, just a tanning sort of uh, thing. But no, I don't. I didn't use body makeup in the films. It's so choreographed, you know. It's so precise. You know, you're going to roll to the right, and we're going to see this. And they storyboard the whole thing. And of course, you have a minimum number of people that you can get away with on in the set itself. So you start to feel okay. You feel as protected as you can be, but it's. There's nothing, I mean, yeah, you're completely exposed, and it feels like that. I, I, would, I don't know what to ask. I think I would be so <laughs> nervous. I would be so nervous. Well, you see, the difference is if it's really called for, uh, if it's really inherent in the script, if it's gratuitous kind of, oh, let's just take her shirt off. No, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But, for example, with The Graduate, uh, Terry Johnson, who wrote and directed that, he said to me, look, if you can find anything else that has the impact of Mrs. Robinson standing there nude, you know, you can do it. And I thought, okay, a half slip, no bra, bra and panties. I tried to think of some other than complete nudity, but there really wasn't anything that would have that kind of impact on Benjamin, but the nudity. Oh, my Lord. I mean, what did you do? Tweeze yourself? What did you do? Put on makeup? What did you do? Pee first? I mean, it's so... <laughs> I, I just can't imagine how, how, how I could be photographed in the nude. Well, as you, you know, it was 21 seconds or 22 seconds, <laughs> they said. Um, but that was quite long enough. <laughs> uh, and the worst thing was one night I got back, you know, I got back off stage and I... Uh, and my dresser was nowhere to be found. And I had to get dressed and get back on stage right away. And I was like, what the hell? I mean, yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Uh, he'd fallen asleep or something. I don't know. Fall asleep when you're doing um, a nude scene. That's yeah. nice. That's always refreshing. You're now in two projects. I mean, you're, you're everywhere, but you're in two projects right now. The White House Plumbers and the Kaminsky Method. So um, tell me first about the White House Plumbers. Oh, it's crazy. It is crazy, Cindy. It's, um, it's with Woody Harrelson and Justin Theroux, and it is an almost factual account of the Nixon's re-election campaign. I mean, the stuff that these guys thought they could get away with is, is fantasy. It's in, absolutely insane. And, uh, and so my character is a woman named Dita Beard, who was the one exposed for 
bribing uh, Mitchell with $400,000 bribe and um, who started the whole, you know, chain of exposures. So where did you film? How did this happen? We were upstate, from, from my work, we were upstate New York in different kind of locations. And now in September, I go to D.C. to shoot this scene at the airport. At the Reagan. Why was it upstate? What was there about this that that was upstate? Just the topography, the 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 grass, the trees, the the kind of. Well, and also, you know, when you're doing this kind of thing, obviously you want to put as much uh, filming in one area as you can without moving location all over the place. So there was a hospital up there that was pretty empty. We used, and there was. Uh, an office that we could fill up with, uh, you know, with people. And and um, all of that was uh, within close distance to each other. Had you read all the stuff about the Nixon years before? I read a lot. But, see, I was in high school when all this happened. So I, I, I'd follow headlines, but I just thought, you know, just kick him out. You know, that's all. <laughs> so <laughs> it was... And I was in London, so... Um, I wasn't that wrapped up in it, no. Okay, now this Kaminsky method that everybody is talking about. Tell me about that. Well, it's nice. Um, Michael called me yesterday because uh, he's in England now. He's working on... Michael Douglas. Yes, sorry. Uh, He's working on the new uh, Ant-Man movie. They're doing another one. And... He sounded good. He sounded very good. He was just in Mallorca um, before, which I was shooting an independent little film in in um, in Canada in this awful little steel town outside of Toronto. <laughs> just absolutely awful, absolutely awful. And thinking, you know, what the hell is wrong with me? Anyway, and and he calls. And I said, Well, where are you? And he goes, Well, I'm in New York. I said, I'm in bloody, you know. <laughs> Life is not fair sometimes. Before we get to Michael Douglas, which we're going to get to Michael Douglas. So you two maintain this off-stage relationship. You call each other, you see, do you have dinner with him? Well, more often lunch, because if he comes into the city, um, a lot of times it's for, or it was for matinee or something. So we'd have lunch and stuff because he liked to be home by... You know, by the evening. Um, but I'll probably, he told me I should have to come up and see his place. He's in the Hudson Valley there, which I look forward to because I'll bet it's nice. Well, it's better than this crappy town that you're just telling me in Canada. Oh, God, that was desperate. <laughs> How long were you up there? Too long. But it started with two weeks of complete quarantine because Canada was really locked down. And so I was informed... Uh, I was taken to this Airbnb that they had rented for me, and I was informed I could not leave the premises, not even for a walk. I could not have anyone else into the premises. You know, groceries had to be left on the sidewalk outside so that we could... It was... I didn't see anybody for two weeks. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> I understand. I feel for you. I couldn't yeah. care less, but I feel for you. Listen, you have done... Mm-hmm. Stage. You have done films. You have done TV. You have done personal appearances. You have done nightclubs. A stupid question, but everybody would want to know. What's the favorite? Oh, stage. Stage. Why? Why? On. Why? Because there is. There's really nothing like um, having an audience, you know, there with you. Um, and 
you can feel them. You can, I mean, when you're on a night when it's raining, when the whole cast is is working together beautifully and the, and the script, you know, supports it, then people start to breathe together at the same time. They hold their breath at the same time. They laugh at the same time. It's The feeling is extraordinary. Did you ever blow a line on stage? Of course. Well, what do of you course. do? How does it I was, work? Oh, Lordy, I was doing this one-woman show on Tallulah Bankhead, yeah? Oh. I think I was down in Florida in Palm Beach or something. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, it's a monologue. It's a 75, 80-minute monologue. And I went completely up. And I looked at the audience and I said, I have no idea where I am. <laughs> Give me a second. And I looked off to the stage manager and I said, hint. And he said, you're in London. Ah, okay. Now, you know, and then I could pick up the line and go on. I got to tell you, I got to break it in and tell you a story that I had with Sir Lula Bankhead. I was like 17. I was in the ladies' room with the Waldorf. I'd never met a celebrity before. I was very excited. In the next stall, Sir Lula Bankhead. And she knocks on the wall and she says, little girl in there, do you have any paper? And I said, well, well, no. And I was so scared. I said, no, no, Miss, Miss Bankhead, no paper. So she's, then there's silence, then another knock. Do you have any Kleenex? I said, no, 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 Miss Bank. Then you hear the sound of a purse opening and closing, and she says, do you have change? Two fives for a ten. <laughs> My one Tallulah Bankhead story. Okay, what specific form of work would you like to be doing now? I know I've seen you in clubs and everything. Yeah, yeah, I've been working, I've worked up at Cabaret. Then I'm going to start up again uh, this fall. Um, that I, I, I enjoy tremendously doing. Uh, it's, it's stories of my life and, and, and from the work. And then with, with songs that kind of, I think of them as sort of close-ups or, you know, accents to the stories that I'm telling. And I realized that now I've got to write uh, for, I've got to to write in this past year that wasn't, you know. Yeah. And and then I was thinking, I wanted, I need a song. I need a song to 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 close that up. And um, of course, you know, Michel Legrand, uh, you must believe in spring, which is just gorgeous. You know, um, let's see. When lonely feelings chill. The meadows of your mind. Just think when winter comes, can't spring be far behind. The secret of a rose is merely that it knows. You must believe in spring. And I feel like that. that's where we are now. Okay. We're coming into spring. Oh, oh, honey. Listen, to go with the song, can you remember one of the anecdotes that you tell on stage? Oh, sure. Well, tell, tell, tell. Okay. Tell. There's, um, there's a story I tell about... It, I call it my sort of acting pack. That It starts out when you're so excited. You know, you're starting out and, and you're grabbing at every... That job that comes your way and you're just, it's just thrilling. And that, that's, that song is, um, uh, da, 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 da. 
you ha- oh gosh, I'm I'm going up here. Okay. Um, believe uh, it's no. All right, I'm come back, and then I have, and then you hit the road, you know, and you're you're doing these marvelous shows and and touring, and and that's any place I hang my hat is home, and then you you start to get weary and start to count <laughs> the cost of all this time away from home. Whether it's a long location, you know, film or or a tour, and there's a wonderful song that suits. Uh, I think it must have been written for actors uh, called "Sweet Kentucky Ham," about you know being on the road and and then there's coming home and. Well, you have now come home, and um, I am so thrilled that you came to talk to me, Kathleen Turner. Well, thank you. I love you, and the audience loves you, and thank you for coming. Pleasure. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.